Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eCampus News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in higher ed tech this month. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. This month, we look at a couple of pieces of quality content posted to eCampus that focuses on professional development for leaders, something often ignored as the focus is usually rightly on students and faculty for the most part. But let's not forget about you and dig into some interesting information here. First, Laura Asion, she's the editorial director for eCampus News, writes that higher ed leaders can use specific strategies to assess their stakeholders' agreement on what the institution's goals should be and how it can achieve them. The piece is called How Higher Ed Leaders Can Move Their Institutions Forward, and you can find it up on the homepage of eCampus News' top stories this month. Here's a snippet. She writes, institutions are grappling with pandemic-related challenges, shrinking enrollments as the number of high school graduates decline, and unrest related to politics and policy. An innovative theory from the Clayton Christensen Institute aims to help higher ed leaders better understand the inner workings of different levels of agreement inside their institutions and better equip them with the right tools to move their institutions forward. There are a number of tools ranging from motivational, visionary speeches to command and control orders that higher ed leaders can use to convince individuals to cooperate and work together. These are called the tools of cooperation. She goes on to highlight a number of these tools, but here's two examples of that. Number one, management tools consist of tools that are coordinative and process-oriented in nature. These tools include training or professional development, standard operating procedures, and measurement systems. If management tools are to be effective, group members have to agree on cause and effect. Higher ed leaders leveraging these tools can introduce a new program or set of procedures that others agree can help the institution, even if they differ on the why behind it. When using cultural tools, people will prioritize similar options and they'll have little debate around the best way to achieve those priorities because their view of how the world works is common. Number two, power tools. These are used when an organization's members share little consensus. Here are the only tools that will inspire cooperation as higher ed leaders pursue a new direction for their institution are those such as force, coercion, and threats. Institutions in this situation are in an understandably challenging situation for their leaders. Now, be sure to dig into this whole piece and go through this whole list of tools. Essential reading, really, for any higher ed leader out there. Next, Cheryl Hyatt of the Hyatt Fennel Executive Search Plus organization writes that a leadership coach is not only looking at the big picture of an institution, they are looking at the bigger picture of higher education as a whole. Her piece is entitled, Don't Lead Alone, A Leadership Coach is the Secret Ingredient. This is also up in the top story section of eCampus this month. And here's an excerpt. She writes, one fundamental error I often see along the way from leaders in higher education, they try to go solo. Remember, you are not performing alone. You may play a leading role, but you are part of a cast that must work together each person playing their part and supporting the greater storyline. In addition to the actors that the audience sees illuminated by the footlights, 
there is an entire crew working behind the scenes to make the production function smoothly. Nor do actors perform to an empty house. You have key stakeholders and a broader community that gives a context to your work. Healthy universities do not host one-man or woman shows. For suggestions, well, she has a bunch, but here's one example. One piece of advice I have for all new presidents, take a walk. Just as performances are more dynamic when performers are in touch with their audience, you must know your campus. Get out of your office and spend an hour each week with students and frontline employees. Eat in the cafeteria, stroll through the quad, browse the bookstore. Understanding the everyday experience of students will not only give you fresh insight into how to lead, it will remind you why you became a president in the first place. There's plenty more advice where that came from in this article. Be sure to check it out. Finally, the demands on higher education leaders are greater than ever. For instance, back in the day, issues about data security, other infrastructure issues, may have been something easily delegated. In this conversation I had last week with an all-star panel of experts, which included Bill Hunkapiller, who's the Chief Information Security Officer for Florida State University, shows that this is not the case anymore. Have a listen to this snippet. All responsible for that, which is, again, very different for higher education, because you could just put, you know, your research data on a thumb drive and mail it in a manila envelope across campus, and it's different now. And so we're all responsible, no matter what our role is, from faculty to staff to administrators to IT, we all need to be at the table early and often for those conversations, because it really is about having a, a mutual understanding and mutual respect for each other. One of the most important people uh, at my last institution was uh, the security office for me. And I was a faculty member and I felt that <laughs> they were my best friend. <clears throat> they taught me so much. They helped me actually understand the need for my role to really understand data. And I think that that's really what's helped me see it as a whole picture versus just uh, you're, you over there can get that, right? Right. Bill, how are your silos? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, it, it's interesting when, you, you know, a seat at the table, we have a new, well, relatively new enterprise risk management committee that our, that our president started. And I sit on that committee and it's, and it's great to be able to talk about these risks the likelihood of occurring, the impact if it would happen, and the, and the university has to make a business decision on those risks, right? It's not me who makes that decision. Um, and it shouldn't be someone who's, you know, a faculty member or a researcher or a administrator that accepts a risk that could impact the entire university. Like, I'm making the decision to, to put all this confidential data on a public website where anybody can see it. Obviously, that's something that they, that they can't do. Um, but it's a business decision. So my job is to, you know, to identify that risk, bring it to the university, and then we make a decision. And so if there's a risk, you know, say we have a data center that doesn't have a, a generator, that's not the case. But if you had that and the university said, well, yeah, we've got UPSs, they'll shut the machines down after 10 minutes and there's nothing critical on there. It doesn't, it's not a mission critical system. Okay, cool, great. But when we lose power and those systems get shut off, that's, that's what we accepted and that's what would occur. Um, but but that's what's important is being able to bring those things up and getting a decision made so that's either within or, or outside of the, the risk tolerance of the institution. And then you need to do something about it to bring it within that risk tolerance. And, and we've had that. Uh, I've been invited to that. I've spoken at that uh, committee. 
and it and it's very encouraging to see it. And I think part of that is with like GLBA, the Graham Leach Bliley Act, the, the qualified individual, the CISO, the security stand for it has to report to the board. The FTC is requiring that now for public universities because we see over and over and over all these events occurring in higher education, in you know uh, private industry. And, and, and in the government, I mean, we saw something about one of the FBI uh, sites got hit the other day and it's, it's, uh, it's serious business and it's, and it's not just the CISO who's responsible for it. Right. And so for me, it's always been, Hey, I want them to know what that risk is and make a decision as to whether it's acceptable or not partially because it's a CYA for me, but it's also, it's a business decision and that business decision has to be made and I can't make it always. Right. It's not appropriate for the CISO or for IT to say, yeah, we don't need backups. Yeah, that's not important. Yeah, we don't need a, you know, a generator on our data center. That's not important. We don't need to encrypt anything. Why would we do that? Yeah. You know, those those are decisions that can't be made uh, within IT. That's a that's a business decision. If you want to listen to the full conversation, go up into the webinar tab at eCampus News and search for "Defending Your Data." So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on ecampusnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the higher ed ed tech space. Remember, eCampus is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eCampus News.